Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. I, hear me on this one, I never want to take for granted the privilege that I have to lead our house. Oh, it's not easy. It's not an easy thing. But whoever told us that life was going to be easy, right? And so I just wanted to remind you of that. And there's a lot of people who are not here. They're not in the room. Some of our ladies are traveling back from, from Auckland, from the Equipus Conference, and life happens, right? Pastor Nick flew up yesterday to Nelson. Pastor Nick, yeah, it's got a good ring to it, right? He flew up. So for the next few weeks, he'll be commuting because he's still keeping his job at, um, at the bank. And so every Saturday, he has got to go and uh, meet with the team in Nelson, preach now, and then he gets on a plane after midday to get back home. Like that's, that's massive. That's huge. That's a, that's a cost, right? So um, some of you might see the glamour of hopping on a plane, <laughs> seeing my Instagram photos of like the airplane wing and kind of going, oh, he's living the dream. I am. But it comes at a cost. And you know that when you are forging ahead for the kingdom of God, the devil's not going to lie back and just let you kind of roll over him, right? There's going to be opposition. But I know this for a fact, that God is on the throne. He has not lost control. I may not see every situation. I may not know your very situation at hand right now, but God does. And so I rest easy. I sleep well, knowing that God has got you in the palm of his hand. Your life is not dependent on my faith. Your life is dependent on Jesus and how much you're going to let Jesus do a work in you. Come on, how, how many did that speak to this morning? <laughs> so here's what I want to say. So this morning, I just want to speak a little bit around comfort. Um, this is true for me, is that in the winter time. You lads might have to relate to me and kind of shout me on this one. But in the winter time, it gets really cold in Christchurch. And so in my house, my wife is an amazing cook, right? And so she makes us chicken pies, shepherd's pies. Come on, somebody, right? Comfort food. So it is expected that Pastor T gets a little bit more Pastor T <laughs> in the wintertime. Come on, who am I talking to? Hey, preach somebody. So comfort, right? So when it comes to food, food can act as a comfort because it's something that you can control. We went to a, um, like a concert thing last night and... <laughs> We decided after the concert we were going to go to a posh kind of cafe thing to go and have coffee. We walked in. I was with some of the lads. We walked in, and it was kind of like 
what are we doing here? Because I was going to have a coffee, and they were like, um, don't we want to go to McDonald's? And it was like the, the, the light bulb moment came on, and all of us, like everyone, there was about five or six of us, walked into this. And so the crowd kind of like, these are big lads, right? And so I think we spent a minute in this cafe, and when the McDonald's were dropped, we all just went, yep. <laughs> we all walked out like we were protesting because we wanted some Maccas. Who wants a little cup of coffee when you can eat? So we get to Maccas. I decided that I was just like, I'll just have something small. Yeah, right. So a couple of the boys thought, oh, look, we'll get dinner tonight. So that's cool. We'd already had dinner. And so, so out comes this like share box. Who's had a share box? Okay, hands down. Who's had a share box all to themselves? It's called share for a reason. So, so here we were. We, we dropped on this sheer box like we had never had anything to eat. Um, so I was up till like early hours of the morning because I was caffeinated <laughs> and I couldn't sleep. So guess who's having a nana nap this afternoon? Nana naps are good. Uh, but so comfort food, comfort. Uh, often we find things in life that comforts us. For some people, it's food. For some people, it's buying stuff. For some people, it's other stuff. And for some people, it's bad stuff, right? You know what I'm talking about. This morning, I just want to hit a little bit around comfort over your calling. Is that good? Can I go there? So, so comfort over calling. Um, again, Jesus being the ultimate example uh, of what it means to uh, go for calling and not comfort. Um, I know that a lot of the miracles that are recorded in the Gospels were around the fact that Jesus was operating out of an empty tank and those miracles actually happened. Like feeding of the 5,000, right? So he gets on a boat, he's like, Okay, cool, we've done this, awesome. People were hungry, da-da-da-da. We hop on a boat and we go across the lake and we get to a town and there's a demon-possessed guy. Like, but, but on the way there, Jesus falls asleep, right? He's in the boat, on a pillow, because he's exhausted and there's a storm. Storm brews up and the disciples are like, we're gonna die! Sorry, Jesus. Were you awake? Oh, so we were you awake? Okay, cool. Um, so there's a storm out here, and we're literally gonna die, right? So Jesus is exhausted. He gets up, and he's just like, ah, oh, still quiet. Why did you have little faith? Went back to bed. Jesus was exhausted. Got into this new town, and there's this demon possessed guy, still the same Jesus. He's been operating, right? Casts out the demon, disciples him, sends him, hops back onto the boat. And he's, so he's just delivered. Did I just say he's just delivered a demon? A legion, a legion of demons has like, spends a few minutes to disciple this guy. 
to tell him, this is what you're going to do. You're going to tell the whole village about what's just happened, right? And then hops on the boat, and then he goes, and then, and then there's a, like a, a priest in the temple, a, a, a Jairus, his daughter's dead, right? Still the same Jesus, still tired, still on an empty tank, now goes and raises the dead. So when you feel like you have an empty tank, that's great. So often we are wanting to operate this Christian life, this spirit-filled life from a full tank. Hear what I'm saying here. It is good for us to be at a healthy place. I don't know about you, but when I'm in a healthy place, I get selfish. It is actually about me. But let me just flip the coin a little bit here and just say, but when I'm in an empty place, I have got nowhere else but Jesus to turn to. So comfort versus calling, it's a challenge. So this morning, I don't want you to come and say, oh, great, great message, Pastor. I don't want you to say, stink word, Pastor. I want you to say, I'm going to marinate on that, and I need to wrestle with that. I really need to think about that because it challenges me. Calling versus comfort. Uh, many of you would know this, but some of you may not. But I, part of my working career has been uh, to uh, work as a flight attendant. So, yep, I'm the guy at the front of the plane uh, who will give you some, a set of instructions on what you need to do in an, in an event of an unlikely event of an emergency. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome you on board this flight shortly bound for Brisbane, Australia. My name is Tico. I will be your cabin supervisor on board this flight. Welcome aboard. Please take your assigned seats. Ensure that your cabin baggage is safely stowed and the overhead lockers are under the seat in front of you, ensuring that the aisles and exits are completely clear. Your cabin crew will be warming through the, through the, through the aircraft. If you need any assistance, please don't hesitate to ask. Once again, welcome aboard. That was nearly eight years of my life. And so, uh, privilege, yes. Um, you see, I'd come from ministry. I'd ministered for over 12 years, been in church ministry, and poo hit the fan, uh, you know, and, and, and stuff happened. And so it meant that I couldn't be in ministry anymore. So I went on this two-and-a-half-year journey. It's true. It happens. You make mistakes. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so I'm not trying to make you feel sorry for me. So I'm just, I'm just laying it on the line here. Right? So two and a half years, kind of like men, got no idea what to do. And then, and then because, you know, you're a pastor's kid and you've been a pastor, you've been in ministry, of course the thing that you do is just to continue to do ministry. And it was like, Nope, that's not going to happen. So we decided as a family that in our lounge, 
we were going to just have family devotions on a Sunday because uh, we weren't ready to go and explore our Christian family in the city. So I was like, our, you know, friends heard about it, us meeting, gathered in our lounge, and uh, the lounge became too small, so we have friends, the school principal uh, gave us a classroom, and again, we're not a church, we're just a, f- a family and friends meeting now. The classroom became too small, uh, and I was like, well, this is not what we want to do. People were starting to call us a church. I'm like, we're not a church. You're not tithing. So we're not a church. We're not that close. Uh, in the meantime, I've started my flying career, right? Um, and, and then, and then so, so the classroom became too small. We asked for the school hall. And we were gathering in the school hall. And there would have been about 100 to 120 people. When it got to that number, I, I'm assuming because we didn't take any stats. It just, the room was full of people, right? Um, when it got to that point, I had this moment where I just thought, what the heck are we doing? We didn't plan to do this. Literally, this is about our kids and us. When did all these people come and who invited them? So the question had to be asked, well, are you a church now? Because you're obviously over 100. And we're like, mm, no. What we found was this. We were gathering people who were on a similar journey as we were. Right? So this is what God did for two and a half years. We walked with these people who were hurt, who were disenfranchised, whatever. I don't know what the situations were. But we walked with them, and we got to this point where we said, well, Jesus, is this what you want us to be doing? Guess what? You'd expect Jesus to say, yes, good and faithful servant. Good job. He said, no. You've come to the end of your grieving period. You are now healed. Shut this down. And he didn't just speak to me. He spoke to the people. You see, in my insecurity, what I wanted to do. In my insecurity, what I wanted to do was, no, stay. Stay, 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 because... That's comfort. And what the Holy Spirit said was, no, you're ready to go. In our lives at the time, as our very good friend Leah Petru, who comes to church, and Veronica, she would be sitting in that seat if she was here. We had mutual friends. And so in barbecues, like random friend barbecues, she would just settle up next to us. And she would just kind of give us a word. She'd say, hey, just guys, just need to know Holy Spirit's on you. He's got a great plan for you. It's not over. And so we're like, cool, thank you. Like every week. And if we didn't see her, she would send us a text message. Now, as you know, she was connected to this house. 
She'd actually come down to Christchurch because she lived in Auckland. She actually moved down to Christchurch because it was post-earthquake and they needed some community outreach people. So when we, when we heard clearly from God to say, no, shut this down, the week after, we had our final fellowship lunch because that's what all good Christian folk do. <laughs> you remember? We had this, right? And, and it was, that was it. So the following Sunday, it was back to the four of us in our lounge, and we decided, I think every one of us had a device, and we were looking up some exciting places, churches that our kids could connect with. Because it was now about our children, it was not about us. Cool? Are you following? Great. Okay, so we came up with 15 churches, and we decided since it took us two and a half years to kind of get ourselves sorted, it was probably going to get two and a half years to go church shopping. Right? And you may be here in the room and you're kind of, you're one of those people like me. You're kind of like, Akubas is going to be one of those churches that I'm going to visit. Well, the first Sunday we turned up. So we decided Akubas was going to be it because we wanted to honor Leah who continued to pray for us in that season. And so, having been a pastor, having been in church all my life, I had my checklist. Who's had a checklist? Yes. I had a checklist, and my checklist was long. Ange, my checklist, it was long. So I came in, and like, imagine this. I was in the service industry. I was traveling the world. I had been in an amazing hotel, so service was my thing. Couple that with church ministry, I was the most impossible person to please. And so I come in through the car park. Oh, first of all, I was like, we came in through the Acacia Drive, and I was like, huh? There's no cars here. And so look at. Um, Leah's text, and she's like, oh, the Arthur Street one. So I went around again, came onto the side. It was Sim and I. We turned up, because Reuben was sick the night before. Shelly said, I'll stay home with him. Weak, right? (laughs) He's in the room, so I can say that. Um, So we come, we get ushered into the room, And I'm like, oh, first of all, in the foyer, I notice things. I'm like, people are talking to me. Tick. Look at how they cover the table. Tick. Look at how they arrange the glasses. Triangle. Tick. Look at the host. They're smiling. Tick. And I'm like, tick, 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 tick. Second row. And then the band gets on, and I'm crying, because I'm like, they jump here. <laughs> all, all of my church life, I just wished people were passionate about God like we were about rugby. <laughs> For once in my life, I was in the room and God answered my prayer there and then. 
I said, I want to be a part of a people that are passionate about worship and praise, who don't care what it's like, right, to just go all out. And so big tick. And so I'm just like, oh, my goodness, this is too much, man. God's like the worship, and it was just, you know what I'm saying. And then past the hat, I was like, okay, they've got to be able to preach the word here. Because that, for me, is the backstop. If they can't preach, I'm going to church number two to check it out. Well, preacher gets on, preaches, boom. And I was just like, oh, is this too good to be true? How? Now, my history, I've been brought up in the Salvation Army. Love the Salvation Army. Love what God does through the Salvation Army. And so because we left the Salvation Army, right, I was not going, who am I? Now, I was brought up and born into the Salvation Army. I'm, my blood bleeds red, yellow, and blue, right? And I'm just like, okay. So John gets up to preach, and he, his sermon illustration, get this, on this particular day, was about the founder of the Salvation Army. So the tagline was, why should, William Booth said this, why should the devil have all the good music? And so he changed all the pub songs and put gospel lyrics to them. So people who are freshly saved out of the of drug and drunkenness now had something to relate to. And for me, that was like seal of approval. We got out of the service, and everyone's kind of talking. I get to meet JD out there, and the first thing he says to me is, Pastor, he doesn't know me. He has no idea who I am, and he says that, and I froze. Now, I'm trying to kind of be all like undercover brother. <laughs> hey, we still laugh about that now. It's kind of like, it's like what did you say? So that, for me, I was just like, God, this is not funny. I feel like this is a setup. I, I really feel that that's a setup. I'm trying to look for my son, and he is away with the youth leaders, and mm, I'm like going, okay, we're new to church. We don't want to hang out here a long time. All right, let's just go, because that's what new people do. You just go. Don't we? Yeah, we do. <laughs> um, don't talk. Don't go deep, bro. Just surface is enough. Bye. Um, we sit in the car park and I send a text message to my wife and I said, babe, I found our church. Expecting, praise the Lord. Nope, I didn't get that. It was like, no, you haven't because I haven't been. <laughs> How many of you know you got to get agreement? Get home and I'm just going, and some's going, like, oh my gosh, da 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 da. So we decided we're going to cancel our second week visit. We're going to come back. So I'm now on edge because I've landed on week one. And some landed on week one. Now we have two members of our family that need to land as well. So we come, we're seated here. 
and the service starts. And Shelly is experiencing the very thing that I experienced. And then midway through the sermon, I get this. This is it. So in the second row, we're making a plan. I'm like, okay, babe, this is what we're going to do. When the service finishes, you go to the help desk and get a tithe number. Because how many know that's what you do when you found home? Why muck around? Go and get a tithe number. I'm going to go and find something to do. Right? So I like waltz into the kitchen because kitchen's my thing. Jill Jane is the, she's the cafe manager on that Sunday. So I just walked up to her like, hi, I'm Tico, I'm new to church. I've just found my home. Is there anything I can do? And she holds me like this. And she's like, oh, praise God, because our dishes person hasn't turned up. Would you mind doing the dishes? I'm like, I'd love to do the dishes. Wait, you've got a machine? Sweet. They had like, if you haven't done dishes yet, you got to go and check it out because it's real easy. If I can do it, you can. I get in the kitchen and I'm doing and I'm looking out and and Shelly's kind of giving me the eyes like, it's time to go. The new people look. And I'm just like, no, man, we, I'm here. We're looking for our boys and they're lost. They're somewhere. They're talking to some youth leader. Let me, let me say this to you. It's, it's like even though we felt like we hit speed bumps along our journey, the thing is this. God still got his hand on you. It may not feel comfortable. I haven't even gone to my notes yet. It may not feel comfortable, but God's got you. It may not be what you expected, but God has got you. Like, relationships fail, right? People leave you, right? Stuff happens. But God's got his hand on you. Oh, come on, we got to clap more excited than that. <laughs> If he's got you, then you've got it sussed. That's all I need. I just got to know I'm not doing this by myself. God is with me. I'll take on anything knowing that God is with me. And, And the same with you. I'm nothing special. Come on, man. I'm nothing special. Right? But I know that there's a call that is irrevocable. God has called you, and no one can take it away from you. Yeah, it doesn't depend on your comfort because how many know, man, it's going to get turbulent. Stuff happens. Brace yourself. Buckle up. You're going on a joyride. This Christian journey was never meant to be comfortable. It's nice to feel comfortable. But what happens when we feel comfortable? We get lazy. Hello? We get lazy. And so... Help me, Jesus. We get lazy. So here's the thing. So I flew for about nearly eight years. I had, uh, since coming to this house, so on the second week, 
I received promotion in the airlines. Like, okay, so this here is unheard of. The position they offered me was a position that they gave only to crew who had flown for 10 years plus. Right? 10 years plus. Guess how many years I've been flying? One year. One year. So I get this call to go to this interview. Before I leave, I was actually in civvies. I get this word from the Holy Spirit saying, put your full uniform on. I'm like, hmm? But no one's going to wear their full uniform. This is like an interview. Okay, but because you say so, I will change full uniform. I rock up to the interview. There's about 45 crew members who are there for this interview. This is like a civil aviation job uh, to certify crew to be able to fly. Uh, so there's annual exams, and I was the guy to give them their warrant of fitness kind of thing. Get it? I turn up, and who's the only one in uniform? I'm like, way to stand out. No, no, I'm feeling awkward because everyone's kind of like, why did you wear that? I'm like, then I just felt like wearing it. <laughs> the interview's one hour, and the, the general run of the interview, uh, so you're meeting with different people, and the general theme of the interview is kind of like, they'll just drill you all regulatory stuff that you need to know verbatim. You can't, oh, I think it's this. It has to be that. But before I do, I speak for 45 minutes because they say this to me. Tell us a bit about yourself. <laughs> All right. So I start sharing about my family, about my kids, about my new church. And then the community of faith and like 45 minutes, I'm going. And then someone who's like a timekeeper, they're like, oh, excuse me, sorry. Um, we've only got 15 minutes before the next interview. So can we like, just cut to the chase. Let's, we do that 15 minutes and it's done. I leave. I'm kind of going, what was that? Right? As far as I'm concerned, I've done my best. Da, 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 da. Two weeks later, I get a phone call. I'm at home and I get this phone call and this, the boss lady, she's just like going on and on. She's like, you know, it's just a tough decision and, you know, you know, there's only space for three people. And you know, like, this is a job that we offer people, experienced crew who've done this for over 10 years. Like, she raveled on for like 10 minutes. And I'm just like, you know, those telephone situations where you just like, yeah, cool, 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 cool. And I just felt, I just said to her, hey, listen, I want to tell you I've done my best. I was just going to finish the conversation there because she wasn't going to say anything positive. And then she goes, and so we'd like to offer you the position. I said, you what? We'd like to offer you the position. I was like, the position? They're like, yeah. So you're the third one. Um, so they were just really impressed with the way you spoke. and da, 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 da. It had nothing to do with the job. I was just sharing about Jesus and my new faith family. Right? So a year. So I do this job for the rest of my flying career. 
And it's amazing. So I literally was living the dream. You know, it meant that I had more cash. It meant that my family got provided for. It meant that I was now hitting a level of conversation with management that I would have never had. How many of you know your calling is not tied to what you do? Your calling is about you. God called you, not your job. God called you, not your vocation or your location. I was 40,000 feet in the air. I got to speak to like pilots who've flown for 40 years plus, who've been in the industry for 40 years. Like, I'll be sitting in the flight deck because one of them has to go to the toilet, so I got to sit in there and, right? And so now they're opening up their world about, hey, Tico, so you've got teenagers, eh? I was like, yep, I do. Well, this is happening in my house. And so I go, oh, cool, because that's happening in my house as well. What are we going to do about that? So here we are talking about life, but I'm finding, man, wisdom is just dropping out of my mouth because it's simple, right? Parenting is simple. We complicate it with too many rules. It's just like do as you're told. It's that simple. <laughs> Who's with me? That's how simple my parenting, my boys know this. Just do as you are told. That's how simple, that's, that's hey, anybody uh, just about to have their kids, for the first kids, like it's simple. Just do as you're told. As long as you tell them that, you're good. Here I was, 40,000 feet in the sky. I'm relating to CEOs. I've served the Dalai Lama. Right, so people who are revered in society and they were literally eating out of my hands. Calling. Calling. When you understand that you were called by God, it does not matter where you are, God works through you. How about when, he, uh, when Jesus called his first disciples? Man, they were busy. They were like fishing, they were cleaning their nets, and Jesus walks by. And Jesus is like, hey, Simon, come follow me. Immediately, drops his net, and he follows Jesus. How many know fishermen are successful people when they catch something? Right? So Simon was cleaning his nets, so that's like, I just had come back on a fishing trip, probably sold his fish. Now he's just cleaning the nets. Jesus catches him when he's really busy. Jesus catches him at the top of his game. He drops it and follows Jesus. Sons of Zebedee, <laughs> right? He calls them as well. They drop their nets, said goodbye to their dad. Zebedee, follow Jesus. Do you know, I was, I've said this before, I felt like I was at the top of my game. I was really successful in what I was doing. So why would God pull me out of that? Why? Turn to your neighbor and say, why? 
Why did God call me out of when I was living the dream? Why did he call me out? Because I think so often, because we've got nothing to do, we feel like God wants to use us when we've got nothing to do, when we feel like we've got nothing to offer. Do you know God wants you to be the best in your industry? God wants you to be, because why is this? It's because you have a platform that God can use for you to speak to multitudes. You get the pay rise. You get the frills. You get to live the dream, but you are fulfilling a call because you are now on a platform. Right now, Etu, one of our guys, is representing the kingdom of Tonga in Hong Kong at the Sevens. Yeah, that's amazing. I wanted to play for Fiji. So he's living my dream. <laughs> it's okay, I'm good with it. I'm good. No, seriously, I'm good. Might have to talk later. So Etu is now on a world stage. Now, world stage, right? And so I just reminded him, I was like, bro, like amazing, you're living the dream. Imagine the platform that you're on. Imagine what you could do when little children are going, ah, you're my superstar. Like imagine what we could do. Parents, imagine in your homes when you are fulfilling your calling. Parenting is a calling. That's a lifetime calling. Imagine when you're fulfilling your calling, you have a platform. Because you're not just relating to these little people that are always vying for your attention. You've got their friends and their family and their school and their community and your family, extended family, and so on. You are fulfilling your calling when you understand that God has chosen you for that task. I had no real certainty when, when I was asked to come into this role. I'm like, do I have to? I don't want to. Um, nah, I've been in ministry before. Church people can be nasty. I don't want to do that. I want to be in a place where I'm the boss, where I can tell you what to do and, and just do it. That was going on in here. So I had no idea what I was saying yes to, but I said this. I said, Jesus, if you want me to do this, I will lay down the dream to fulfill my call. Because here's what I thought. I could do both, right? But the door was closed. The airline's like, if we can't have you full time, we're going to release you. Because we know that you were called. Seriously, this is what the top manager said to me, because I know that you were called. And here's the thing. When you were called, like I said, it doesn't matter what location you are, and the call of God will come out and will call. Some people say, oh, I'm called to preach. Well, you should be preaching before you even get up on a stage. 
I've called to worship lead. You are worship leading there before here. The stage only elevates so that gives you a platform to be able to share wider. It's not about you. So I said at camp, I'm coming off mics in terms of worship leading because I want to create space for people to step up. And how many know I don't have to have this to be able to lead myself to worship? I can do it from that role. And the same, like, some, somehow in this space, in this time, we kind of feel like we've got to be a celebrity to make a difference. Somehow we feel like if you're a singer, you've got to be on the voice to be known. Because we're in this culture of elevation when Jesus is tipping that on its head and he's saying, actually, if you want to be great in the kingdom, humble yourself. You've got to be down here. Funny story, in that moment where we the second week we were in church, I said to God, in the quietness of my heart, I just said, you have our future. It does not make sense, but you have our future. And I feel like this morning, there's some of us who are at that point where God's kind of saying, hello, hello. And you're kind of like, shh. Stop talking to me. But God is saying to you, I'm with you. There's some big decisions people have got to make this week. And I want to say to you, God has sent me to say that He is with you. He trusts you. And He wants you to know that the decision that you make is not by yourself. He is with you the whole way. All Jesus said was come follow me and I will show you how to become fishers of men. I've said this to many people. I don't want to be a professional Christian. I don't want to be that guy who just turns up and kind of goes, let's go. I want to feel every step of the way. I am not a robot. I'm a real person. I will feel everything. And the same with you. I will not expect you to do robotic things. Is in this house, I want you to feel like if you can go again, let's go. If you can't, it's okay. But by the grace of God, He will be with you. So comfort over calling. I pray today that you say, God, I give up my comfort, my sense of comfort to feel again, to love again, to go again, to trust again. Come on, are you with me? I think we can go again. I think we can go again. God, by His grace, restores God, by His grace, for what the enemy has purposed for our destruction, God will restore. So you are called, church. You are called. Can I encourage you to stand with me? 
Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. 